Cox. He can go on the mount for third. 200 centimetres. You can't do that. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, good to be back. Uh, the Dreamtime game, it's done and dusted. It probably went a little bit to script. Uh, same, same, same. Isn't it the same as the last seven or whatever it is? Well, yeah, that's their 12th win in a row, Richmond. So Seven, 12, Grant. That's their 12th win in a row. So uh, we still haven't beaten that club since 2014. So that's... Oh, that's a long time, That's man. a long that's time. That's a long time. But, you know... <laughs> Is that bunny status? That's bunny status now. Oh, yeah, big time. I would have, you know, most of us actually probably would have taken a 38-point loss or something. I've even forgot what the margin was. It was around about that. Um, but I'll say this, Richmond didn't kick well. No. Lynch obviously <laughs> no. had a, 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 not a great time in front of the goals. So it was probably 50, 60 points in yeah. reality. But It's 10 goals again. It's it's a uh, – when actually, let's talk about the, the show ahead. So – the good part about this is the 80% of the show is not talking about the yes. <laughs> and, and how bad we've performed again, but so, in the same ways again. So the good news is Ed Pascoe from uh, Rookie Me Central. Formerly um, AFL Draft Central. Formerly <laughs> um, Takeover. Uh, takeover, yep. So, yeah, he, he's coming on because the mid-season draft's coming up. So we actually have a, quite a long conversation about – uh, players that are available, who yep. we can go after. He's comprehensive, state by state. He's the players <laughs> Seriously. Uh, that we could look at. His his what they're like. His their his their strengths and weaknesses. That kind of thing. We talk about the Essen list in general. So it's a, it's a really good conversation. So exclusive uh, lunchtime catch up podcast. Yeah. So uh, that's definitely one that goes for about forty minutes. So it's definitely one to to tune into. Uh, but. Look, covering the the Dreamtime game, it, it's it's one of those uh, things where I think the narrative is that we're not as good as we all hoped we were, and and I, and I think that's I think we come to. I mean, for me, I'm an optimist. I'm a painful optimist. So sorry, everyone. Even I've come to the conclusion, actually, we're just not that good a side. And we've no, got to, we're, we're just not. I'm we're, sorry. Yeah, we've got a lot of growth to do. Um, and it's going to take a good period of time. Yes, it will. It, it's not going to be, oh, next week we, well, look out, we beat Port Adelaide, hooray, and then we beat Carlton, and then it's, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to flick a switch and become the team that everybody thought we were going to be this year, right? We're not. We're, again, we're under six feet of Kakar and we're fighting our way through that and then directly above that it's raining and a big black cloud and we've got to get through that and then we might actually start playing some football. Now, Scott used to, Scott had a really good analogy for this game that if we could, and again, guys, we could sit here and flick through the stats um, no, and no, get depressed. No right? point. Yeah. No, no point. It's wildly depressing just to look through the stats. Check them out on AFL Central if you really want to depress yourself. Um, not AFL Central, AFL App, too, if you really want to depress yourself. But, 
Scotty, and I want you to explain it to me, mate. You you said that there was what four key areas that the Bombers need to sort of um, to uh, improve on, and you reckon one of them improved slightly? Well, I mean, that's how I in my head. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. Is is like we kind of did like a, I'll say a tick to one of the areas. That, I mean, it was obviously the big focus area of the week because of the the Luke Parker. Incident, and that was to for us to respond uh, either when we're challenged physically, either a cheap shot or whatever like that, and to tackle. And I thought both. I'll give him a tick. Like I'm not going to sneeze. That 63 tackles is actually a pretty good performance. Uh, I think we had 14 or 15 inside for our forward 50, which is usually a good gauge that the teams, you know, they're up they're and about, up and about, and they're trying to address that uh, every time Richmond tried to challenge us physically we responded uh so you know you gotta you gotta call it i didn't like the 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 cane corns narrative of it was embarrassing them trying to you know like you know seriously what do you want them to do tj you you said they were embarrassing last week when they didn't do it so you've actually embarrassed yourself kane more than anyone what the hell do you want them to do they do it sorry they don't do it you bag them they do it you bag them Yeah, yeah like that's just stupid media so, uh, so yeah, it's just attention grabbing, basically. Yeah, so you you ignore that. Uh, no, I didn't. So I'm not learning my own. Lesson. As, as we just mentioned <laughs> it on the podcast, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, then you're left with other areas <laughs> that still were front and center, and that's ball movement, kicking down the line, very safe, sideways, slow, predictable, uh, letting the opposition set up defensively across the ground. That still didn't really change. I think they tried for the first 10, 15 minutes. Uh, then as soon as it got tough. And then, yeah, then things got tough and, and then they resorted back. So um, I think another key area, and I'm being completely honest, and is coaching. And I think <laughs> and we, and it has to be addressed. Uh, it's, let's face it, it's a disorganised mess at the moment. And that's just no other way of saying it. And there's just... Loads of things you could say across the ground. There's forwards playing behind their man constantly. There's off their man, cheating. There's there's our defenders who are trying to cheat off their fall, off their opponents. And I'm you know people saw my tweet. I called out Kelly. You just can't stand 15 meters away from Ringwald. From Jack Ringwald. I mean I, the guys kicked 724 goals. Well, there's no right that you should have to play so loose. On a very, very good forward. Whether you, we like his personality or not, he kicks goals, and that's exactly what he did because we gave him as Ten all that space. Yeah. It was just. It's insane. But then so much uh, our, of our defensive group play so much, you know, between half, half back and wing as well. And there's so much up the ground, and it leads to turnover, easy goals when we, our contested ball's not up to scratch. So. It, just a lot of areas. Um, all of them. Yeah. All, all of the areas. Like, I mean, the, yeah. the defence isn't doing what they should be. Like, basic stuff like sticking on Nick Rewalt like glue, man. I don't care if you if you can see but the potential for a pack or, a, or a, con- a contest that you can influence. I'm sorry, Kelly, mate, if you're on me in the forward line, right, you could cheat off Grant Hill all you like, right? Because <laughs> yeah. unless they whack back it down up. my throat, um, then you could cheat off me all you like. But it's Jack Rewell, man, 700-plus goals. You stick to him like glue. Make somebody else win the win the or kick the goal for him other than Jack Rewald. And I just... 
But what happened to also what happened to his role on small on small defenders? Like it's a genuine question you'd like to ask Truck because you go, we've recruited him to for a certain type. And what why has his role changed? Yeah, I think he's for well, me, it's Ridley in this game. Yeah. Ridley Ridley would have changed it. Well, maybe, but he's played, uh, from, to my recollection, only on two small forwards this year. And it's just, I just find it strange. I, I find how we're using Ridley strange. I find, I mean, coaching just drives me nuts in the moment. We, why are we allowing just a spare defender every week? Like, that, yeah, just, that's amazing. Like, we either match up or we change something. And, and you know, if anyone can tell me, because Richmond's player spare defender. If anyone can tell me where our spare player is, yeah. I'd really like to know. Who's that bloke? <laughs> Who is that guy and where is he playing? Because I don't know. And another thing that we do, it's just it drives me insane. How many times do you see a loose ball or see a guy, uh, uh, a rich say, a Richmond player defend it, and way too many Essendon guys go rushing towards the ball when he's got it and leave all their men around the contest. Oh, and he's like, you guys, but like three, like four five, of you five of them. Yeah, five of you don't need to tackle the one guy. Like, And then that guy just releases the ball and all the other four are free. And it's like, do we uh, – you can tell my voice. It's like, I don't know what's going on. But the players don't either, and that's why the coaching for me is a biggie. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to say the words sack truck, and I won't. I'll defend him at the moment because he's our head coach, and he deserves more than one and a half seasons, of one and a quarter yeah, seasons, yeah. right? But man, why are they not listening to you, Ben? Because if you're telling them to do that, then mate, I will say for you to go. <laughs> but if you're not saying that, and surely we've given you the benefit of the doubt for that, Ben. Why the hell are your players not listening to you? Yeah, it's it's what is going on? It's very very strange. It, it feels like, uh, oh. if, excuse me, I'm going to do it sideways here because it feels like we're very a young and experienced side across the board. It feels like a young and experienced coach, a young and experienced playing list, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, and you know, I should have taken more notice because. Toomey was the one that was kind of raising the red flag on this to us early in the year, saying Essendon will go backwards this year, and then hopefully it's a more two-step forward approach. Oh, cool, but, okay. But, boy, did we go back. <laughs> uh, but he, he he mentioned to me, like, it was... You, because we're too young. Yeah, the, the dynamics of the list changing so much. And we're, we're talking like, you know, Danahar, Saad, McKenna, Mosquito, now Waller retiring... Um, uh, Fantasia, uh, you know, Hurley's hip infection. So we haven't had Hurley for years, basically. Um, but all that experience just re- getting removed from the club. So Hooker, guys yeah. in their primes getting removed from their club and then having to basically redraft youth, the, the age shift that's happened at the club, his view was that you – it has to have an effect. You have to then, because you, what you've suddenly got, whether you've got young talent or not, which he doesn't generally, he generally believes we do, but they're so inexperienced and so young. And the leadership group is actually quite inexperienced outside of Heps. Like there's no 27 to 31 year olds. I, I actually, if you, if you take Waller who's retired, right. And you say Hurley out of it because of the hip infection. That would leave eight players who have only played 100 games or more out of the 45. Yeah. 
So that's a that's massive, right? That's yeah. But question on that subject, I remember you were saying late last year and early into this year, for two different reasons. But for late last year, you were saying that the how old's Langford? 24, 25? Yeah, it's about 24. 24, 25, right? You were saying that it was clearly evident that the 24 and 26-year-olds and 22-year-olds, all the, the Parish, the Langford, the McGrath, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys that have been there for a while, Francis, but not so much, but those guys are starting to take ownership of the club, mm-hmm. right? So they're starting to take the step up. Parrish is becoming a, a, a ball-winning genius. Um, Merritt, he's taking ownership of the club. So is Langford. So is those kind of guys, right? I was really looking forward to that being a perfect transition yeah. from Heppel and Hurley and Hooker and those older boys, right? But it hasn't seemed to have happened Maybe they need Langford in there, I know, to help them with that. But the I'll leadership t- piece isn't there. I'll tell there. you, someone, uh, I'll just say, someone on the inside, I'll just say that. You, of course, you can't say another, yeah. Um, mentioned to me when Langford and Snelling went down straight away, um, they whispered to me, whether people know it or not, that's going to be a big hit to the club. Because of talent or leadership, leadership. Okay, because uh, Langford's a stronger leader than people think, and, and Snelling is even stronger leader. There's a reason why he finished third, and it's not just his performance on the field. He is one of the key leaders, and like, and I mentioned this. I think I've mentioned this twice now, so I don't want to go over it again. But he ran drills on the game plan, so he was the organizer of the forwards. So when you go to the forward line, he sets everyone up. He's like, no, no. You there, you, you there, there, you there, there, you there. And he runs drills on it. He, so he was actually doing truck. Him and truck were actually running drills together. So it was interesting comment that I didn't – I should have taken more notice of mm. after round one. Well, but how I, could you have known, you, right? You're just excited for the year and you go, oh, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. We've got yep. talent. But, um, you know, and then obviously you're taking really Jake String out for the year as well. Yep. So you, you, you've um, – You've just taken one strength of Langford and, you know, six foot two kind of marking mm-hmm. players who score and midfield. Um, and then you got Snelling, who's a bit of an organizer. So, but it does show the, I guess, the lack of depth in then mm. in, in leadership. Yeah. I think McGrath is. Next cab off the rank, I reckon. Yeah. I, I feel like in the last month, and I think McGrath's a natural leader, but I think in the last month, I've seen a, a light come through where he's he's becoming a tougher leader. I think he's more demanding. More demanding. Um, he's the first guy to go in for a fight. I mm. mean, even with Coldwell, when everyone bags the merit thing, when that thing Coldwell happened, he was the guy who ran in. McGrath ran in straight away. Um, uh, and so I think McGrath's showing it, but it's just still that, you know, they're 24-25 and just hit 100 games kind of scenario. So they're still not 200 game. We only just have that one really with Heppel and Heppel's poor Heppel's bit isolated and he's not a natural tough kind of captain. I'll I'll be honest. It is a critique, but it's, I love the guy, but it's, he's so positive. And it's a bit like, remember when TD was captain, right? He's a country boy. He's just a knockabout country boy, right? He, he probably didn't have to be, Super aggressive captain either because he had Watson and and Salmon and all those guys around <laughs> yeah. him, right? I mean, yeah, try and slack it off around Merv Eagle. Yeah, but that, that's <laughs> there you go, right? But I mean, Heppel 
is the he's the right captain. Absolutely, he is the right captain to be the captain of that club, right? But maybe he's not that fire up bit of brimstone that's required. He's he's exceptionally supportive. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like from afar he's a tear you off captain. No, he's no, a no. he's a. T- I'll encourage you to improve in the area you need to, but with a lot of encouragement and positivity. Um, actually, Goddard and, and Hodge would have um, turned someone's head off. But he, I think he needs a secondary leader. I, I look, I, I'm pretty confident in saying, and this is not putting him down, that this is his last year as captain. I think, yeah. I think Merritt and McGrath will yep. both. That's the next cab off the rank. That's the next cab off the rank. And I think Merritt demands pretty high standards, even though he's quiet in nature. I think, uh, you know, the fact that he, um, really wouldn't sign a contract until he, until he the was cl- convinced. almost until the club had a and review. Until he was convinced, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to th- that the club was on a path of success. So <laughs> the fact that he even did that tells you he wants success and, and wants to demand it. So, but it Andy, just, Mc- Andy McGrath doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, but it just still feels like when you're talking about the other clubs that are up there, it's just the statesmen's. Is a like even I was watching Hawthorne the other day because you go their their age list is is not too far away from us, but one thing they're doing they got. They got a much better is is the Bruce is the Gunston is the Ben McAvoy is the Chad Wingard you know they just have uh, Shields they just have Mitchell See, someone they like just, Tommy Bell yeah yeah he's gone as well and they just they just have that twenty eight to thirty one year old yeah. group who just you need protection of your young players and and you know in an interview coming up with Ed Pasco you know we actually talk about the VFL a bit and we talk about Josh Ayer and and Brandon, and he actually mentions, you'll hear it in the interview, that these guys actually need, a, actually, was this, maybe it was, this, actually it was an off the cuff comment, sorry. I don't actually think it was on the uh, show. It was us talking afterwards. Was it? Yeah, it was. It uh, was actually. It was the, it was well, the other whole sorry segment to, uh, that we our, did. Sorry to output you there, uh, Ed, but uh, Ed confidentially said, but I don't think, I don't think it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a crazy thought. I don't think but, it needs an NDA, no. No, no. So it's, but it, it's like Josh here. Has to play on the main tall, like the main uh, at the As he and, and, and it's VFL, so a lot of them are twenty six year old brute guys who are trying to get a game. You know your Hartleys and these sort of guys, experience, and they're just getting no protection. And 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 you, you know you would have loved a hooker to play on another year just to give some strength around the VFL, just teach to, Harry just a little teach bit. him. And, yeah. and but we don't have that, and that's where the program dramatically has to prove we've got to protect. I would say protect a mentor at the same time a young list coming through. So I would personally like some adjustments in the list with that uh, and see what we can do to just to balance out the list. There's a lot of balancing to come. Ed was mentioning there's some um, some good mid sort of aged players interstate. That yeah, we could it be sounds like at. there's some 20 to 23 year olds really if we yeah. if we want to consider um, people on. that can help right now. Um, people that if they spend a bit of time in the twos aren't going to be out of place um, yep. down there and can help some young kids. And when they come up, we can we can rely on them. So, yeah, so look, sorry to not really discuss the Dreamtime game. It is what it is. Great spectacle, great yeah, yeah. great, um, great celebration of the Indigenous I, round. I, I do want to give a shout-out to Mason Redmond. Um, love, love your appetite for the contest, mate. It's... Uh, it's something, you know, I, 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 part of me would teasingly like to see what you're like as a midfielder. Just one occasion, just while, while the year's over, just go, Hey Mason, 
Just play midfield this I wonder week. What, yeah. Just tell us what you can do. Do we do we know that he, if he got fined or was it just a straight a week? Straight a week. Okay. Because if he got fined, the club should pay that fine. So yeah. Like he shouldn't that should not come out of his pocket, mate. Because he did he just lifted an elbow slightly, that's fine, and he didn't do it with any sort of significant malice or intent. But you lift an elbow, you cop someone in the throat, you get in a week, right? But the intent from that bloke, as soon as he ran on the, the whole field, game, he was like yeah, just he was, he was at the ball. He was bloody hard, and and Truck had better have put that on repeat in reception at the at the hangar. Yeah, everybody that walks past that TV should see him running from contest to contest, hard at the ball, fired up, looking looking angry. That's what we need. Yeah. We don't need again. I don't agree with Lordy. We don't need people being lined up from forty meters away and velvet sledged. Right, we don't need that. We just need Mason Redmond hardness at the ball. You just need, we need real hardness around the contest. That's that's it. That's that's the way it is. You got to win the ball. Yeah, and you absolutely. Gotta be, you got to be hard in this league to to do it. So, um, I was going to say something else and completely just slipped my mind. Don't you hate that? So uh, we give it some. <laughs> no, well, sorry, I there it is. I can see the light bulb go off. We will go to the break and get Ed on. So sorry. This is going to be a long show, but I hope you enjoy it. I do want to say, obviously, the news of Tip and Woody came through. Um, you know, as, as far as this podcast, what do you say? As far as this podcast is concerned, thank you so much for your time, uh, Walla. It's been, you know, we haven't had uh, uh, an abundance of X Factor players in the last decade. You have been the clear joy of watching. Uh, an immense skill level uh, at AFL level. Grow. But for, for to have the talent and then to grow into the footballer that he become, yep. it's only now, it's only when they go, do you take the time to look back on the the games that he played oh, off half back for Essendon. And yeah, I was looking at highlights just even just on YouTubing and you go, man, you really are a talented boy. Uh, but no, it's, you know, you have to appreciate the whole story of Waller, I think, when you talk about him. It's not just his career. It's from being a kid to where Growing he is up, today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of battles that he's had to go through and he's tackled them all and he's come out the winner. So, uh, I look, I genuinely wish your next adventures all the best. Uh, much love from the show. Uh, thank you for putting so many smiles on kids' faces. Absolutely. And, uh, and a few adults and all. You're, you're probably 5,000 memberships just yourself, to be blunt. Uh, uh-huh. and, and a lot of those are being under under 15-year-olds. So uh, thank you for just always having a smile, playing hard. And uh, we wish you and family all the best in, in the next adventures. And, yeah, just I just wanted to say uh, a big thanks to them. All right, so um, after the break, we've got Ed Pascoe, um, who's going to join us from Rookie Me Central. It was formerly AFL Draft Central. They've changed their name just recently. Um, but what Ed doesn't know about um, uh, the drafting of young talent and uh, for the um, mid-season draft, you don't need to know. Um, so we are very um, happy and very lucky to have him exclusively on the show to talk about the mid-season draft. So we'll head to that uh, break and we'll come back with Ed. Let's get him on the line.
Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, joining us is our very good friend, Mr. Ed Pascoe from Rookie Me Central uh, website. G'day, Ed. Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. It's glad to be back on and talking about all things draft. I mean, uh, we're really into the thick of it now uh, this year, and yep. especially with the mid-season draft coming up, there's uh, plenty of young talent as well that have you know, not got taken last year that have really impressed down in Victoria. And, of course, there's always the uh, state talent in WA and SA that have, uh, you know, really impressed as well. So there's plenty of options out there. Now let's – probably uh, a week or so ago, um, we were actually kind of texting each other <laughs> going, let's try and get a list spot available <laughs> at Essendon. Now obviously that's come about with, uh, with Tip and Woody's news. Uh, so I guess – I guess a, an obvious question an Essendon fan is going to be is, okay, tell tell us some names, tell us some, uh, and and they're obviously their style of positions. At the at the moment, Essendon kind of feels like to me we actually have to plug in about six or eight holes now <laughs> in our list. But uh, tell tell us what you're seeing and and, and names that are jumping out to you. Uh, well, there's been, yeah, plenty, as I said, like for Victoria and all across the state. I'll start with some of the Victorian uh, kids that I've got to see in the last few weeks play for the uh, AFL Young Guns. So for the last couple of weeks, they've had all the best kids that recruiters think will get taken in the mid-season draft against uh, Vic Country and Vic Metro. So uh, there's one who played really well in the first game that I'm sure has been talked up a lot is Jai Cully from yep. Denny Nong Stingrays. And yeah, he's 193 centimetres, 87 kilo, and he's a midfielder who can go forward. Uh, so okay. it, it kind of fits the bill for what Essendon really do need in their midfield brigade. I mean, we keep saying it time and time again, you've got the smaller midfielders in there. And I mean, Cully is exactly that type. And again, like we keep missing out on guys like Stringer and Langford uh, as, you know, your taller goal-kicking targets. And he is a good goal-kicker, so... The reason he probably wasn't taken last year was that he was more of a like full forward. He played mostly full forward for them last year, and uh, they decided, well, well, you've got the attributes to play in the midfield, so we'll see what you got. And yeah, he started awesome for Danny Nong through the midfield. He's just just really powerful in there. He's got good decision making, fairly good skills, and yeah, when he goes forward, he just knows where the goals are. He's a strong mark, so uh, he's does have uh, a shoulder issue that he's had to battle for a bit. So he did play yep. the first couple of games for Dandenong and then hurt his shoulder. And then uh, in the first uh, of the Young Guns game against Vic Metro, he kicked four goals in the first half and ended up with 20-something disposals. But he actually hurt his shoulder in a contest in that game as well. So now he's you know on the shelf again for a bit. So I'm unsure of how long he'll be out for with that shoulder. But I, I wouldn't imagine it's affected his uh, likelihood of getting taken in the mid-season draft. I mean, uh, his results have spoken for themselves. Before, where, where, are we gonna, where do we, where are we going to sit in the draft? That's just before we start talking about, was my question? Okay, well done. So, where, where we, where are we likely to sit? I mean, I, for my, I'm pretty sure it's where the ladder sits at the mid-season draft. Uh, yep, so we'll have pick three at the moment. Uh, so North and the Eagles both have made uh, changes to their list that allows them to have another pick. So, yeah, we'll be third in, in line with our first pick. And if, you know, we have someone, say, like Nick Cox, who is ruled out for the rest of the year, that gives us a second pick. So, but that second pick will come after, after the first round kind of thing. Uh, yeah. After the first round. So Eagles will have another pick because they've made two list changes. So 
we'll have another pick after the Eagles' second pick if that were to transpire. Yeah. Do you know how many teams have no picks, or is that is that worked out yet? Uh, well, well, I mean, they've they've still got a little bit of time to sort that out. Uh, I mean, the uh, it is going to be on, on the first of June when the mid-season draft is on. So I think they've got a little bit more time to make the list decisions they need to do. But uh, I don't think there's that many at the moment. So uh, which is surprising because I mean, there'll probably be a few players that are you know on the fringe of not being able to play for the rest of the year. And there's quite a lot of talent that's down there as well. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. So if it, if it was you, your view would be with Nick Cox sort of out to 10 or 12 weeks, realistically he comes back maybe for the last round or the or last two rounds. Is it better just to say, well, you know, I hate to say it, but for the benefit of the club, yeah, if there's something that's really seriously out there, let's let's get another list spot available and, and just see what the someone can do and you have – free access to him at the end of the year. Well, man, you've just got to see what's happened with uh, Harry Jones and he's battled, you know, some injuries as a taller player. I mean, Cox is taller than Harry Jones and he's getting those types of injuries with his, you know, the feet, the ankles. So uh, it just makes a lot of sense to, you know, ease him back for this year. He's not going to play again if he does. Like, what's the point? Just get him fit and firing for next year and away you go. You get an extra pick and, yeah, there's plenty of – more talent to go through and I'll go with a few more other Victorian names to be looking out for, whether they're yep. for that position or not. These are the ones that uh, the clubs are really looking out for from Victoria. First off is one who played against our VFL side for Richmond is uh, Massimo D'Ambrosio, who is a I very... That. I watched that game. Yeah, pasta yeah. chef yeah. or a pizza maker, <laughs> no? Yeah, nah. Oh, or well, a member it, of the it, mafia. Uh, we're talking about yeah, cutting through the opposition, and he's he's kicking is elite. He was good, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's kicking is fantastic. He really opens up the game. Uh, he's only the one seventy eight centimeters. He's not a big player, but I mean, you have to look at types like Caleb Daniel uh, coming off half back. I mean, if you're an elite kick, it doesn't really matter how tall you are, and he is a little bit of a competitor as well. So he's another really good player that could get taken pretty early. Another one, uh, Oscar Forkhead. Uh, he's, excuse me? I'll get this one spelt. It's F-A-U-L-K-H-E-A-D. Okay, oh, good. Okay, good. It's one that I think supporters will be very uh, happy to make a few jokes about, but uh, <laughs> there's no jokes about his ability. I mean, he's one who played a bit of halfback for uh, Bendigo last year, but has moved into the midfield and has really set, set it alight. He knows how to win the ball. He's smart. He has a good mix of inside and outside. Can also play forward. What's, he's his, that one, what's his height? One seventy nine. So okay. he's not overly tall, but he's just a good player. Just over all around good player. Another one's uh, uh, Jamison Ballantyne from the Rebels. He's a hundred eighty three centimeter uh, wingman slash half forward. Uh, he's a really good runner. He works hard both ways. He's a bit like a Sammy Durham. He's like he works hard both ways. Yeah. Uh, can go forward and kick, kick a few goals. He's got a good good head on his shoulders. Uh, another one who's also in Richmond's VFL, I'm not sure if you played on the weekend, but uh, Lachlan Carrigan, mm-hmm. who's 191-centimetre halfback. Uh, he plays more of a rebounder type. He's a very good kick of the footy. He's very clean. Uh, and he's one who's going to turn 20 at the end of this year. Uh, he's got a lot of development left. He's about that 78-kilo mark, but... Uh, he was one that really impressed me with just his ball use. He's just very calm and collected. His kicking uh, technique is 
hard to it's hard to get wrong. You'll see a lot of guys who are kicking in there, and it, you don't know what you're going to get sometimes, even if it's going to be a good kick. But his entire action is just really, really solid. So he's another good one. Another one who's a left footer, Jed Rule from the Oakley Chargers, ex- pretty much the same height, same build. Uh, he's another rebounder, a bit better mark than Carrigan, but he's another one who has good, who, who runs off really well. Uh, another good player who we could look at if you want a bit more forward craft, if you want to move Perkins more on ball, you've got uh, Hugo Hall-Khan, who's a Sandringham forward, about the similar uh, size to uh, Perkins at about that 188 centimetres. Yep. He's a bit more, uh, he, he's a bit, he's definitely more of your forward who can go on the wing. He's not as probably contested and strong, but he's really athletic. He runs both ways. He went to Halebury, so he was under Matty Lloyd down at Halebury. Yep. Uh, and he, he was really impressive. So he's another one that who looks really good. Uh, Ryan Ayres, who is a key defender from Murray Bush Rangers, 198 centimetres. Yep. Uh, he, he's a really nice type. Uh, another, another tall is Jerome Lawrence from Oakley, 196 centimetres. He's... Uh, I think he could have been a father-son for Hawthorne, um, but uh, he only just got picked up by Oakley this year. I'm not sure uh, what the go is there. I don't think they can take him in the mid-season draft as a father-son. So so if he doesn't get taken this year, I'm pretty sure Hawks can nominate him. Okay. But yeah, he's, he's one who's very quick for his size. He moves really well, got a lot of upside there. And finally, from Victoria, Max Ramsden who is a very good athlete, got a bit of that basketball background, about 202 centimetres. He's another one that clubs really like for his upside. He's very clean. Uh, he's been playing in the ruck, but there's a few clubs that think he could make a really good centre-half back as well. Yeah. So he's another of those real tall athletic types. Can apparently run all day. He does, like I think it was under six minutes for a 2K. So, I mean, that's really impressive. So, yeah, he, he that... Probably concludes about the Victorians that may get taken, but uh, yeah, uh, I've got the other mature ages there. But uh, if you want to have a chat about any of those young guys before we head on to that, is, which, sorry, which, which ones do you reckon like are going to head to three? Like, are we, are we, which ones do you reckon? If we go one, two, three, which ones, or is or is the mid-season draft a bit more about what you need rather than drafting the best kid like at the at AFL draft time? Uh, it depends. For the club, because in, in our case, I di- I don't think when we take took Durham and Snelling, we really went for needs. I think we just looked for the best, either the yeah. best player okay. available or the best upside, or just a player that we thought could fit into our system. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that, especially with Snelling, that was a position of real need at the time, but he's managed to fit in seamlessly. With you know, he's ha- had the right you know go about him to be able to just slot straight into it where there's a lot of young guys who might need a little bit more time to get used to their AFL lifestyle, especially when you're coming in from halfway through the season. I mean, that's a, you don't get much time to, you know, learn your new teammates. I mean, Nick Martin is kind of an exception of, uh, you know, coming in, not knowing a lot of the guys and still playing well. So, yeah, I got, uh, I got asked a couple of, by a couple of people to ask you um, an update on Fajo Jr. about where his footy's at. Uh, I think I think he's missed through injury, so he hasn't been able to play in the VFL. But uh, I think you still give him a bit more time to actually get some continuity in his game before perhaps looking at him at, for a list spot. I mean, especially now for the mid-season draft. I mean, I mean he hasn't played 
any if all footy this year. Yeah, I haven't seen him play uh, footy. This I, year. I think I think it's fairly safe to you know give him another year. Uh, well, given the rest of the year, see if he comes back for the VFL and just reevaluate maybe at the end of the year with another, you know, uh, supplementary pick or whatever. So, yep. uh, but if I was to say out of those Victorian names that we would be looking at, it'd be either Cully or D'Ambrosio, I think would be the two main ones we'd probably look at. Uh, I don't think we'd go with Ramsden, even though he might be another one that goes fairly early. I don't really think another developing tool is what the, the list needs. No, I don't think so. And there's plenty. There's so many there. Yeah. I mean, you've got Brand and Air and so many others that are there. Baldwin, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just adding adding another young player who's not going to be ready for a while. So Yeah, for me, uh, like, for me, I was looking at um, con- real heavy contested players like i i feel like we need a bit of um you know not to stereotype but a bit of you know when people talk about solomon and hardwick but some guys who you know some who are hardheads obviously can play football well but have an appetite for the ball uh, is where i was kind of leaning towards so um and but the hard part is I, my other criteria was good ball use <laughs> um so if you can match the two <laughs> great but that's that's the that's the trick yeah, that's where when I brought up Cully and D'Ambrosio, I mean, D'Ambrosio is your absolute silky skills off half back, and Cully is your, your, your hard, big bodied inside mid. But uh, yeah, if you're wanting some real contested players, I mean, the mature, the mature age prospects around the country are probably the ones to look at. Uh, from South Australia, I'll start with the one that I think would be a really good get if Cully's not available. Uh, first off is Josh Carmichael from West Adelaide. He's 189 centimeters and 88 kilo. Yep. So he's uh, yeah, good size. He tackles hard. Uh, he's a really good uh, around goal as well, uh, and he's a very very good kick as well for his size. So I wouldn't say his stoppage craft is up there with a lot of the other m- mature mids, but his size and potential versatility as well makes him uh, maybe a better target than say a Mitch Hibbard would have been when he came in, as he was a fairly solid build, couldn't really play a lot of other. Positions, whereas Carmichael, even if he doesn't play as that big-bodied mid, I feel he has enough attributes to play other areas of the ground, and he's only twenty-two as well, so he's okay, at a good, so good age. Yep, yeah, so yeah. he's a good age. Uh, another one from South Australia, Brett Turner, twenty-five. Uh, he's one hundred eighty-five centimeters and eighty-eight kilo. Uh, again, a bit early in the year against uh, Adelaide's twos, he had thirty-eight touches and kicked four goals. Okay. So, he had a pretty good game there, and uh, I think he missed a few games with injury recently, so I'm not sure where that's going here or there, but he is definitely one of your real good contested players. Uh, another one from South Australia, uh, famous name, Casey Voss. Okay. Uh, he, he won the uh, best on ground honours in the South Australia and West Australia state game, yep. only 21 years of age, but yeah, he's a defender. So he's one who comes off halfback. He's a really good user, fairly good overhead. Uh so he's like a Daniel Rich type of uh, defender. So, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, he's another really likely type. Another one who uh, I think a lot of uh, supporters would really like. He's 23 years of age. Kim Cantilla, uh, originally from the Tiwi, from the Tiwi, has come down to South Australia and has really set it alight. He's showed a lot of uh, zip and dash up forward and 
I mean, uh, you just lose a, a someone like Tip Woody and getting someone like Cantillo is another really exciting small forward type. Could be another one to look for. Now, Ed, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna sorry to interrupt. I was gonna ask you a question. Everybody knows we've got the Davy Boys coming. Right? We've got um, both of them are one of them's much more of a significant chance than the other. But we've got two Davy Boys arriving next year, most probably. Um, did, does Essendon wait? Our, our small forward stocks, um, Wanganine, young kid, not ready. Um, we've got Smith, tail end of his career. It's not looking real special for him at the moment. Waller just left. Do we wait with regards to these mid-season picks and not pick a small forward like that kid that you've just mentioned that's available because we've got the Davies coming through and Wanganine and Buick's son in like eight years? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Or do we go after that kid like you've just mentioned now, put him in a forward pocket and have the Davies coming through as well? Uh, I think uh, you definitely need more small forward depth, especially for those types. I mean, I don't think the likes of like Guelphie, Ham and Waterman are going to be your game-breaker small forwards that yeah. you really, really need. And that puts a lot of pressure on you know Wanganine and, and the Davy boys as well. So... I mean, having more options, especially uh, Aboriginal options like Cantilla is, I mean, you, you have to just look at the, you know, the the start of dream time and you had maybe Texas, the only one there for us. And then you had Richmond. They had so many talent, yeah. talented young guys there and ones that didn't couldn't even play. And I don't know, it's just something that uh, I think Essendon has really lost over the years, not really putting too much into those, you know, the Aboriginal types that have, you know, Offered a lot of success to to the club in 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 years by, and um, he he's one I'd really look at. And okay. yeah, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother. And we, uh, with let's worrying face it, about, let's face it, yeah. we lack so much X factor. I mean, when you lose when you lose Sard and Fantasia, and I, I would say Danaher, Mosquito, um, and now you've got Waller now, yeah. Waller now. so much X factor. I mean, you know, I look at it. I was looking at the weekend and With going, stringer off I feel park. like it's just Stringer. Yeah. <laughs> like, as far as like pure game break X factor, I think Perkins has a slight edge to that. But gee, we, we're just missing a lot of X factor in the team. Yeah. And that's what makes me wonder why Tex ha- hasn't played. I mean, he's only just started to come back from, a, from injury, but I really do feel he should have played in that game as, as a main starter. I mean, I really don't see the difference in, say, a Devin Smith or Waterman would have had to the side winning winning the game over Wanganeen. So, I mean, I mean, from from here on, they, the club should know they're not going to be finishing in the top eight. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you just have to get games into Tex <laughs> yeah. Wanganeen. I mean, it's just simple as that. There's no other young small forwards that are game breakers that are coming through the list. You just play him, just play him, play him, play him. If you can't run out of game. What's it matter? So yeah, sit, sit him down that, for a while, let him grab a breath, and then bring him back on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'll, I'll continue on with another yep. small forward that I, I, I do like. He's only 19, but he's really set it alight in South Australia, and that's Jai Menzi, yep. who's come from Tasmania. He's he's like a Jack Dinovan small forward. He's very crafty. He he knows where the goals are. He just pops up when, when you least expect him. I mean, his forward craft would be well ahead of any of the – the small forwards we have at the moment. Okay. He's probably like, like yeah, so like he's at not. 19. Yeah. So like Ginovan, he's not super, super quick, but 
but he's just quick of mind. He just knows where to be uh, up forward. So okay. he, he's another good young one from South Australia. Another one's uh, Jacob Bohr, 19 years of age. He's not a small forward, but 191 centimetre, uh, medium size forward, uh, kicked like 10 goals in his first two games at you know the at the league level. So I mean, he's another one who's got got his fans. And uh, finally, we'll start with the West Australian prospects and the one that. Eagles will probably take ahead of us. It, I think that's why he's being given exemption to nominate is Jake Florenka. Uh, he's 25 years of age, 184 centimetres, 86 kilo. And his contested possession numbers at uh, Waffle level have been insane, averaging 20 contested possessions a game. He's will, an absolute okay. tough nut. Can you, so, can you draft up and get a kid like that? Can we, <laughs> can we pinch that off West Coast? Uh, you'd like to, but it's probably not going to happen. But, uh, I mean, if they don't want to take him, I mean, that le- leaves him to us. But, again, he's a 25-year-old, so you, you, you what you see now is what in. you're going to yeah, get. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just recently had, like, 41 disposals and two goals in the in the waffle. So okay. he's definitely right up there. We're There's having, a few uh, other really – we're having good. Uh, we're having good luck with uh, WA recruits at the moment, so we should give him a serious look. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few more from West Australia. There's Aiden Clark, who's uh, 24. I mean, not not a big midfielder, about 179 centimeters, 81 kilo. But he's got a little bit about him. A taller midfielder who used to be on Carlton's list, Angus Schumacher, 23 years of age, is about 191 centimeters. He's another one who's been fairly impressive. Now, two that. Have some Essendon ties. We've got uh, at 20 years of age, Wade Dirksen, yeah. who was on our VFL list. I think he played a couple of games for our VFL side last year. Mm-hmm. He's really taken another step. Uh, he's a very talented kid, about 195 centimetres, 90 kilo, uh, playing forward, but even pinch hitting the ruck with his athleticism. So he might be a one that uh, we've had our eye on, you know, obviously getting to the VFL, but he's a Northern Territory boy. So okay. yeah, plenty of upside with him. And, Bryn Teekle, if we remember this this fellow, is a ruckman. Uh, he's still only 22 years of age. He's at that 203-centimetre mark, 97 kilo. Uh, he's kind of been ruck and forward a little bit, a bit of a mix of both. Uh, if Essendon are going to look at him again, I think uh, I heard in, a, in an article that we have inquired about him again just to see where he's at. But, uh, yeah, he might be one that they look for as maybe as a key forward slash ruck cover, say, to give, you know, maybe one of Brian a bit more time to work on his ruck craft or just another option, I guess, as a sort of ready-made key forward type. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Uh, just a, I've just got a curious question for you. Um, on the end-of-year national draft, obviously Essendon's been screaming for forwards and, and we've been looking at low – Draft pick, <laughs> we're likely to have a low draft pick. How good is this Scully kid they keep talking about from South Australia? Uh, it's hard to get a read at the moment because he is so tall. I mean, he's about that 202, 204 centimetre mark. And Damn. a lot of the kids he's been playing against at 18s level in South Australia are, uh, you know, like would barely go over 190 centimetres. So there's a fair bit of he's like he's, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's a, but he's tall, but for like 202 centimetres, he's going to be taller than a lot of key defenders at AFL level as well. Yeah. Uh, he got his real fir- his first real test uh, on the weekend playing for the AFL Academy against Collingwood's VFL. 
uh, played on uh, Liam McMahon for a lot of it, who's uh, Collingwood listed is about 198 centimetres. That still struggled a little bit, just wasn't one grabbing them in the air, but still giving a contest. Uh, it was one little contest near me as well. He went for a, uh, uh, he had uh, Alwyn Jr. just on, on the side to give a handball, but decided, nut he'll have a snap for goal himself and, uh, and missed it. I'm sure uh, he'll be told at the next level, you know, give it to the little guys yeah, that know what they're doing <laughs> there. But uh, he usually kicks those at 18s level, though. He's got a very good uh, goal sense. So, okay. so it's hard to say at the moment if he's going to be that, that high-end talent. I think we'll have to wait to see how he goes against kids of his own age group that are a little bit taller at national championships to see, to see how high he will at. go. But yeah. I currently have him at around the 10 mark. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of other key forwards that are around that mark. You've got Harry Lemmy, who's his, uh, who's his mate at South Australia. Um, not South Australia, West Adelaide. So they play in the same junior club, but Harry Lemmy's played more senior football. He actually made his senior football debut last year. He's about that 190 centimetre mark. He's a bit like that Phil Thorpe who got taken by Adelaide who went yeah, yeah. hit one. So he's a similar tight. He's a strong contested mark, really good set shot for goal. He's a bit like a Peter Wright in, in the way he goes about it as well. Gotcha. Just, you know, straight up lead, clunk the mark uh, type of key forward. So, yeah. uh, And the other one, Matthew Jefferson from Oakley, he's about that 194 centimetre, so a bit smaller, but he's got really good reach. So he's got, you know, those long arms. So he's, can really take him up a bit higher than his height suggests. And just his timing and how he jumps at the ball is just really, really good. He's just a natural forward. So uh, if he puts on a bit of muscle, he might turn into that Charlie Curnow type of key forward. So not the tallest, yeah, yeah. but just with his reach and his timing. Uh, and he's very light as well. He's going to take quite a while to get good. But, uh, yeah, he showed quite a few promising signs as well. Sounds good. Now, uh, sorry, we're realizing the time. Um, I, I need you to just discuss. I shouldn't need you. I mean, can you discuss <laughs> the uh, this the academy boys? And obviously, people are going to ask the Davy boys, but just just some of the names that are and how they're going. Uh, so for this year's draft, uh, the ones at Calder haven't quite set the you know, set the world on fire. You've got a uh, Matthew Foley who's. Played a little bit of halfback, a little bit on the wing, a little bit up forward. Done some nice things here and there, but just isn't getting enough of the ball at the moment to really warrant even maybe making Vic Metro squad, which we will find out about later this week to see who's in the Vic Metro squad. I'm fairly yeah. sure Alwyn Davey will be a part of that squad, but someone like Matthew Foley may be on the fringe. Uh, the other one's Carlos Egan. Uh, apparently had a not-too-bad game on the weekend, but again, he's a smaller forward type. Like very small. He's about that one sixty-eight centimeter mark. Oh, okay, really small. And yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, Ruben Road is the other one. Sorry, who has been playing off halfback. He's another smaller type, about that one seventy-two-ish centimeter mark. He's got a lot of endeavour. He really tries very hard, but uh, he he's a very raw prospect. So I, I I wouldn't say that we'd be looking at him with an NGA pick this year, but could be one that we look to you know play a bit of VFL. Uh, next year and in the coming years. But uh, the the NGA players that are really impressing are for the under-16s. And these two boys have made Vic Metro's squad. So that shows how much much talent they have. Uh, First of all, which is probably the best of the two and who's one I don't see us even being able to match a bid for when that comes, if they've still got that rule, is... Uh, Sorry if I butchered the last name in pronunciation for both these boys, but we've got Isaac Kako. 
yep. who is shy Bolton type. Okay. So he yeah. is electric. We could do he's, with one of them. He is very, very quick, very good overhead, very confident, uh, can make little little mistakes here and there, but, geez, he's exciting. Whenever he gets around the ball, he just makes things happen. He's really hard to stop. He just darts in and out. Uh, so, yeah, he's one who's really, really exciting. He's only about well, yeah, 174 centimetres. He's not the biggest guy, but uh, it doesn't matter. He's just quick. He's clean. He's... You know, he's going to be a small forward at the next level, so it's not going to really matter too much about his height. And the other one's uh, Jaden uh, uh, Newen, I think it is, or Nugent. Newen, yeah, but, uh, Nguyen, I think yeah, it is. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry for the pronunciation, but um, he's another one who's a bit smaller, 175 centimetres. Uh, he can play a range of spots. He can play forward, wing, or half back. Uh, so he moves really well, got good skills. Uh, so those two boys are two to really look out for in two years' time for in the under-16s. And the, the Davy that is playing, how's he going so far this year? Uh, well, Alwyn's just been fantastic. I mean, he's not getting a massive amount of the ball, playing as sort of a midfielder, but, I mean, he is playing in an undefeated Oakley team with guns like George Wardlaw and Elijah Sardis who are you know, in the mix for the top three picks, and he's playing in the midfield with those guys. So okay. it goes to show where the club even rate him as, as a talent. And so do recruiters as he was uh, picked for the AFL Academy to play in that. So that usually shows that a lot of recruiters are really liking the way he goes about it as well. But uh, the, one, the one thing I've heard from a few people is that as good as Alwyn is looking this year and how talented he is, and I even have him in – maybe the 15 to 25 range. So mm. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll really hope that he goes outside our second rounder. But even with the two ACLs, Jaden might become a better player than our one. Ooh. Okay. So, and we're, we're all but guaranteed those two kids, yeah? Pretty pretty much, you would think. Yeah. And um, just on Jaden, uh, my comparison for him for a while now has been that he is uh, two off the old block. He is... Alwyn Davy, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and then, even though he's not, he, even though he didn't get, even though he didn't get the name, he's the one who plays more like his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But now, yeah, he's a. Sorry, Matt. I, I always, I always want to know. Whenever we have you on, I want an update on the dominance that is Darren Buick's son. <laughs> How is is he still dominating the under 11s uh, well, he's gone up now. He's uh, now up with the uh, playing with the under fourteen. Under fourteens, okay, uh, even, okay. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's going to be, you know, he's going to be thir- he's thirteen this year, so playing as a bottom major in the under fourteens, nice. and uh, you know, the Strathmore Domination. team, they're they're a really good side, and uh, I don't think he's hit the scoreboard the last few weeks, but uh, yeah, okay. he's, again, he's going to be a player that you look out for. He, he, he's got some star factor. Nice, I like it. Now, just to, I just wanted to ask you, um, and thanks for that awesome wrap-up. Uh, so I wanted to ask you actually just about Essendon today. Uh, so you've got, you know, it, it looks like, you know, with form, let's be honest, you're probably at least looking at a bottom five or six um, draft pick coming our way. Uh, and what – it's been an interesting year, obviously not that fun to watch, but it, it shows it's quickly showing you a lot of holes with the with the Waller announcement and you know a, quite a depleted forward line and um, I, I think even down back there's just a it's a little bit 
not it doesn't feel as strong, but I know there's some there's brand and a few guys coming behind, so I do get that. Where at end of year, you say we have, for example, pick four. We'll just go with pick four as an example. What would you be doing uh, with such a low pick? Are you in the trade mentality? Are you in the draft mentality? Uh, for for the position our club is in, you can't trade that pick. And if you do trade it, you're trading it for two first rounders, which you know could or could not work. It depends on where we feel a you know a bid for Alwyn Davy would come. So yeah. it's going to be hard to really get a sense there. But um, in terms of the type of players to look for at that pick, I mean, a lot of clubs do this. But if you have a top five pick, you pick the best available talent and you, again, draw, uh, trade for your needs, for, for your real urgent needs. And it just so happens my top four players are not your big, tall inside mids that the club <laughs> is probably asking okay. for. Damn it. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's why you'd look at someone like that Jai Cully in the mid-season draft and why you'd look for uh, what we should have been doing last year, looking at your Will Brody type of players to you know fit in that are a mature age. But uh, in terms of that pick, I mean, the, the top three players right now are my clear top three. So you've got George Wardlaw, who's 182 centimetres. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a better version of Ben Hobbs. Okay. So okay. that's a very, very high endorsement of what he's like. He's Ben Hobbs, but with athleticism. He can jump. He's an awesome like mark overhead. He's powerful. He just gets out of tackles like you wouldn't believe. He tackles with real intent. So, he's yeah, again, he's only 182 centimetres, but he's just a bull. He's just an absolute bull. Okay. Uh, and then you've got, of course, Brisbane's potential father-son, Will Ashcroft, who hasn't chosen if he's going to go as a father-son for them yet. But again, he's what, 180 centimetres, but he's like a Nick Dacos and just how prolific, proficient he is in winning the ball. He's he's hard and in and under as well. He loves to win the contested ball, uh, just wins plenty of the ball with ease. I mean, he had 31 disposals for Brisbane's VFL side the other week. So he's obviously going to be able to take that next step up. And the other one who... It probably doesn't fit the bill as a contested type, which I think the list needs, but Elijah Sardis is uh, just a- an incredibly gifted athlete. So he can run all day. He's uh, at that 186 centimetre mark, but he doesn't play tall. He's, okay. He plays with absolute speed and, and skill. So he's very, very classy with the way he uses the ball by hand and by foot. His best trait, which I'm not sure if it will translate to the next level because of his lighter build, but the way he will win clearances at the center bounce is uh, eye-catching, to say the least. He just wins it at pace. He's got clean hands. He has that burst of speed. Uh, So of all the players in this draft of winning clearances, even despite his size, he's probably one of the best in how it looks. <laughs> if, if you can get okay. my drift, I mean, okay, like yeah, yeah. there's people who can win clearances like Liberatore that you know it doesn't look fancy, but it gets the job done. But when Sardis wins a clearance, you're just like, whoa, geez, okay. that looked that looked exciting. So, but yeah, yeah. because of his light build, I don't know if he gets away with it at the next level. But uh, if he can develop a real contested side to his game and build up a bit of strength, he, he could be a real dominant force as a midfielder. But yeah, you know, it's it's you don't know if you can really trust 
spat at this stage. So mm. that makes it harder for him to be, you know, an outright pick one player. Uh, and f- finally, the two other players that could be there, uh, Harry Sheasel, who is a forward who Very is tasty. probably the closest thing to Josh Rochelle in this draft Okay, as that. Yeah. As that real mercurial type of forward, he's about that 184 centimetre mark, uh, really agile. He, he knows where the goals are. He's got good timing. I mean, he's going to be a, a star small forward at the next level yeah. pretty much. So he's another one who's going to be good. And finally, Jai Clark, who is another you know 180 centimetre type of mid, but uh, contested. He's like a Tuke Miller, Luke Parker type of midfielder. He's tackles hard. He's clean. He's got pretty good skills. Again, I know Essen supporters don't want another small mid, but if he's the best one available and he's got that contested side to him, I mean, you just pick him. Yeah. When when is the mid-season draft specifically? Uh, June 1st. So okay. uh, not long at all. It's going to be, I think it's 6.30 on, on the Wednesday. Uh, I think that's what I heard, 6.30 or 7 o'clock or around that time at night. So, uh, Is there any opportunity for – I think you might have already answered this question, but is there any opportunity for clubs to trade up? Like can you talk to another player? No, you just – the position you're in is – Mid-season draft picks are locked in. Although clubs want to allow for mid-season draft negotiations, it hasn't had to go ahead yet. So it may come in 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 years to come, but definitely not now. And – Again, sorry for the ignorance, but can you? I think again, you've just answered it because the the picks are locked in. But a bit like the draft where somebody's a father son, and if you take them at, if you've got pick three, and they somebody wants to take a father son or Ashcroft or something like that at pick two, does that mean that you then go down to pick four? Yeah, so in the mid-season draft, there are no father-son ties or any NGA ties. When you're in the mid-season draft, you're available to everyone. Right. So if you if you're 19 years and older, it it pretty much doesn't matter. If you nominate for the mid-season draft, you can be picked by any team. But oh, okay. if you aren't yeah. picked in the mid-season draft and go to the end of the year, then you can be picked as a uh, NGA or so, you know any of those lines. Yeah. So basically, a player who says yes, I'm going to nominate for the draft, understands they could be taken by any club. It's just getting into the system, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, it's an interesting one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Essendon tackles yeah. the Nick Cox situation. Um, yeah, we haven't heard much from Hurls. Like, I know Hurls, um, you know, he's really battling a bit of a calf at the moment and it really did set him back. So I know he's, um, you know, I'll say barely training. He's doing a few little odd runs in there. So... It'll be interesting even just to see how that's developing as well. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much, mate. Uh, as always, you're a gun. Uh, is there any final thoughts you want to say? Yeah, but I'm sorry I couldn't speak to you a bit more about what I think Essendon should be looking at in terms of a broader list-based uh, type of thing. But the one thing I will say is that you know, looking at the first few rounds of this year has really got more, gotten better understanding of how much the game changes from year to year to year. Yep. So these days I look at Melbourne's team and there's not a single weakness, whether that's backline forward or or mid. But for the most part, you you have to look at their centre stoppage setup, uh, which has Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, Jack Viney, and then you've got others that go through there like a Thomas Barrow. The, the one key thing that all of those players have 
is they're all contested. They all win the hardball. There's no outside class amongst any of them. They can all use the ball well, but there's no Zach Merritt. There's no, you know, any of those type of players. So I feel Essendon needs to go, especially with their midfield, they need to go to what Carlton even realised they needed to do as well. All your midfielders in this day and age for, you know, your inside have to be big, strong ball getters and ball winners. And you play your your real good kicks, your real outside types off the half back. That's where you get your drive. That's where you get to see your better kicks of the ball actually use their kicks. So the one big key change I'd like to see is someone like a Zach Merritt move to a halfback flank and offer that kicking and get the most out of what his main weapon is, and that's his kicking. I mean, that's yep. why he's getting paid paid that money for. That's why clubs would want to look for him. It's for that kicking. And, I mean, if you're not getting those really nice kicks out of Zach Merritt in the midfield, I mean, why are you playing him there in the first place? So it's that's the one, one because, area yeah, the, I'd like to – yeah. The other day, like, Merritt had – I think we actually said on the podcast, it was like 80% of his possessions were handballs. And we mentioned, like, is that the best way we want to use – Zach Merritt. Yeah. And it's a very good point. And Truck actually, I think, teased the idea, even just in a few presses, just saying we may rotate Zach a bit more through half back at times. So I think he's I think your thinking is almost maybe where the club's actually noticing it as well. Like how can we get our ball users um in in much better uh much better, I guess, weapons to to actually hurt the opposition. Uh, and that's, you know, you know, you look at Martin, you know, how, how these guys who can think through the game and use the ball well, how can we release them um, to hurt the opposition? So I think you're spot on. Now, um, thank you so much. Is there, Can you just tell us how to reach your website and how to reach your Twitter handle and all that? Yeah, so, so yeah, the website's Rookie Me Central. So uh, these days now, every week, I've got my own weekly article called Caught the Eye, which I'll always link to my Twitter. So, yeah, my Twitter handle, Twitter handle you just have to see, you know, Ed Pasco uh, RMC if if you need that as a kind of an indicator. But I don't think there's many Ed Pascos on Twitter. I think you'll find me pretty easily on there. But, um, <laughs> yep. yeah, so just, uh, again, I've just been putting out a lot of draft-related content. I mean, uh, there's going to be plenty – Plenty on uh, Alwyn Davey throughout the year as he plays for Oakley, as he plays a lot of school football. And, of course, Anthony Mancara, who's another one to look for as an NGA, although I don't think we're going to be able to match a bit on him the way he's going. But, uh, yeah, so there'll be plenty of stuff that I'll, I'll be able to answer, especially on on Twitter. So just, you know, give me a message on Twitter and I'm happy to answer any questions I have. And, and yeah. Sounds great. Thank you so much again uh, for joining us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, mate. Uh, you're always welcome. Uh, I'm sure as the year goes on and especially the way the year's going, it, it feels like the draft will become very relevant once again, which is kind of great for you and probably exciting, but it's it can be a light, slightly depressing as an Essendon fan that we're, we're constantly looking at the draft. <laughs> uh, you do hope that one day we go, oh, you know, we only have pick 17. Uh, because we've done so well. Yeah. Um, but, yes, uh, thank you so much. Uh, talk soon, no doubt, and and have a great week, mate. All right, mate. Always a pleasure. Thanks, thank Ed. You.
That's the shortest break music we have. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Mate, what a great interview with Ed. Um, I think we say this after every uh, guest we have on, but we really, really love Ed Pascoe. Yeah, I think we know the 40 plays that are in consideration. Absolutely, and if you listened, now you do too. So, uh, no, great. It's fantastic. So, friend of the show, uh, Rookie Me Central, check it out. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, please do. He always has – he loves his Davy updates and a few other things. So Yep. Uh, yeah, so – Thanks, everyone. Uh, it's been a long show, so we'll, we'll sign off here and now. Uh, but What have we got this week? we got Port, yeah? Port Adelaide. We've got the, the graveyard shift to Sunday, 4.40 p.m. Ooh. But I think I actually don't mind uh, that we've got an eight-day break because we obviously had Ridley with COVID and, and Colwell getting over shoulder injury. So this gives us time to, uh, to get sort of fully right and, and ready to go. And then after that, there's a week's break. Nice. There's a few bye. boys will be looking forward to that just quietly. <laughs> I think a podcast is looking forward to that as well. Um, just a quick one, Scotty. A um, couple of quick uh, uh, new Patreons that have joined us. Now, let us not catch our podcast if you don't already know. Um, have a Patreon account. It's um, the patreon.com forward slash the lunchtime catch up. Um, we do extra content there each week, um, two extra shows. Um, the pre uh, the team selection show on a Thursday and a post game reaction show directly after the game. So if you want to check us out over there, it's three bucks a month. Three bucks a month for all of that extra content. Um, and a couple of, we, we don't usually give a shout out on the main pod. So Peter Bowden, um, Ian H, not anything else. Ian H, David Stokes, Ainsley Bevis, Chris Meister, Antonio Farulio, great name. Ben Freeman, Jordan Gale, Patrick Betham, Hugo Catrone. That's also a cool name. Um, a massive thank you to you guys. There's a whole heap more. Brett, Ryan, uh, Reese, Cooper, Jim. Um, a whole heap more. So a massive thank you to guys for joining us on Patreon. If you uh, want to come and check us out over there, it's uh, like you said, it's three bucks a month. Yeah, I might be even doing a, uh, a special VFL show with Paul Cousins soon just for the Patreon. So. Absolutely. Good idea. So uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, Absolutely. We yeah. are trying to get some few guests and, and, and make it interesting, if especially if our form continues. Uh, yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> but let's let's hope we, we can start uh, showing, showing signs of uh, of improving and maturing. So Absolutely. In all areas. So – Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of the week, guys. See you, guys.